As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Broncos country, I hope uh, your Monday's going as well as it can, despite the fact that uh, our Denver Broncos dropped their first game of the season, a very frustrating loss yesterday by score 27-14 at Baltimore. Uh, Jeff Ryan and I will be breaking that game down shortly for you, break down what we thought was good, which, spoiler alert, we didn't think much, what was bad, and uh, what we just couldn't stand. So uh, we'll be breaking that down that game momentarily but first here's a little pump up music by the mad fanatic himself Jeff, welcome back for another uh, weekly edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Unfortunately, it's the first time this year that we have to talk about a loss. And not only was it a loss, it was a pretty pretty darn ugly loss. Not many positives to pull from this one as our Broncos were defeated at Baltimore by a score of 27-14. to 14. Uh, Initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, Tanner, good to be back with you. Um like you said, you just summed it up. It's a pretty ugly loss, and, and it was inevitable that we were going to talk about a loss. I mean, only one team has ever gone undefeated uh, in the regular season, and so it's it's tough to win them all. But um, I don't know, man. We, we'll get into the details of why we think we lost and what, what we think is going to have to be fixed. But we stink in Baltimore. We just stink there. I have no confidence in this team. Every year we go up there, I don't know why. There's just a feeling I have about it, and – and first seven, eight minutes of the game, you know, I would have had a much different attitude. We looked so good. And um, to finish as ugly as we did the rest of the game was very disappointing. Well, and you bring up the struggles at Baltimore. It's, it's actually pretty interesting um, as far as trips to Baltimore while the Ravens are the existing franchise there. The Broncos are now 1-5 there all time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That says it all. It does. It's a it's a unique place to play, tough place to play. And the Ravens are definitely a team that try to get under their opponent's skin. And in this case, it worked to their advantage as the Broncos had a lot of dumb, dumb penalties yesterday. Um, the total penalty count yesterday, I believe, ended up being, uh, I think it was 13 penalties for 130 yards. Yeah, that sounds right. And it, it showed throughout the whole game flow. Penalties killed multiple drives, killed multiple uh, game-changing momentum plays, and 
those are just killer. I mean, it's one it's one thing to just get beat, you know, when you, when you played well and you did everything you can do, but when you're hurting yourself like that, it's so hard to watch. Especially on the road. I mean, not only yeah. are you playing a physical team on the road and your back's up against the wall anyways, and then you have that many penalties. Uh, oh, yeah. It's almost impossible to win. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I thought one of the killers uh, early on in the game was losing Philip Lindsay for the rest of the game. I thought that changed our game plan around because I thought our game plan was kind of planned around him and Royce and then having to put Devontae in there instead of Phillip. I thought that really hurt us. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those things where he manned up to it and he admitted he was wrong. Uh, you know, some punches were thrown, which I know we talked about this kind of yesterday when we were texting back and forth. You, you know, you can't tell me that doesn't happen on every single pile up in the NFL, but he was on the outside, got caught clear as day. Um, just, just can't have that. Um, I don't know if it, you know, should have been an ejection, but definitely deserved a personal foul penalty. Um, but yeah. that, that really hurt. And I agree with you. I, you know, when we were texting, I was so frustrated with it because, you know, it was a big part of the game. It was early on. Um, you know, I feel like that kind of stuff does probably happen a lot and he happened to be in broad daylight doing it. And so it was, you know, I was frustrated from, from that perspective, but you're so right. Like after thinking about it more, you just can't be stupid like that. And he admitted that after the game and, um, you know, other players find a way to control their emotions. Uh, you know, at first I was thinking, well, is he p- trying to punch out the football? There was never a really good angle to show what he was punching at mm-hmm. or why he was punching someone who know there's, you know, there had to have been a reason for that. Um, but regardless, like you said, you got to maintain your composure and, and it hurt us. Not having him in the game really, really hurt us. So, um, got to learn from that. Yeah, and I think I don't think we'll ever see a problem from him like that again. I I, I think no. he'll learn from this and uh, be better from it. But uh, yeah, let's keep talking about the penalties a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we had um, multiple holding penalties on Garrett Bowles, Connor McGovern, unsportsmanlike on Ronald Leary. I mean, and I think three of those were on, like, the same drive. Your offensive yeah. lineman can't keep getting any penalties like this, especially Garrett Bowles. When is he going to become the player we thought he was going to be? I, I, you know, I thought he had a solid week one uh, last week against the Raiders. I thought he was okay. And then he comes back down to earth, same old rookie Garrett Bowles who just uh-huh. isn't getting it. And I think it's easy for players to get frustrated on the road. You're not going to get as many calls as you get at home. You're just not. The crowd is an influence on the officials, I believe. Whether they'll admit that or not, I really do think crowd noise and the way the crowd interacts with the game. um, Officials do call things differently every now and then. So you're already behind the eight ball going on the road. You've got to control your emotions. You've got to be smart. You've got to be thinking about every single thing that you're doing. And his holding penalties were just huge. The one... uh, that negated a Demarius Thomas play inside the, I think it would have been inside the 10, maybe 15 yard line, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. was taken all the way back behind uh, midfield into our own territory. And that is just killer. And it stalled the drive. We didn't get any points out of it. Um, and, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was that on the same drive after we blocked the field goal or was that in the second half i'm i'm blanking no i think it was the same drive i think it was it's just you can't do that i mean that was it was crucial crucial mistake yeah mark slareth ripped garrett bulls pretty darn good this morning on the fan he honestly said the kid just doesn't get it he never will get it 
pretty much said put somebody else in to play left tackle and, or maybe switch bowls to defense because all he likes to do is tackle guys. It was <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty bad. It was it was one of those like, oh, Mark, you better watch what you're saying because uh, I know. this is going to come back on you. But uh, I just think everybody's like- frustrated because, you know, if he ends up being a bust, that's Paxton and then Garrett Bowles' back-to-back years of first-round picks that you whiff on. I agree. I think Denver, especially the media, but also the fans and the organization just expect so much out of this team. And so every single loss that this team has is always a frustration. There's never been a single Denver Broncos loss that I can remember where everyone was just like, okay, you know, that stinks. We're just going to move on. Like every loss hurts the Broncos. It just seems to be that way. And I like that. I think that's a sign of a good organization that cares about winning. Mark Schlereth, though, is also coming from a lot of success. He's won Super Bowls. You know, he was with played with one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And so I think even though I like him a lot, I think he comes from this higher, almost higher pedestal that he puts himself on to make comments like that either. I think, I think Bowles is an incredibly valuable part to our offensive line that we didn't have for a while. Even with Peyton Manning, we didn't have a stud left tackle um, every single year. And, And he does make big mistakes. There's no doubt about it, but you know, it's not like it's every single game. I'm I'm not ready to give up on Garrett Bowles being our starting left tackle just yet. No, he's too athletic in my opinion. I mean, he's got to yeah. cut down the penalties, though. We cannot have him getting yes. as many holding penalties as he did last year. It just can't happen. Um, well, and, and and how do you fix that? It's got to be coaching, yep. right? Yeah, and, and, you know, they even went with the approach this year of having a coach for the tackles and a coach for the inside linemen, which is unheard of in the NFL. So. Yeah. I mean, they they, sh- the guy might even need literally a psychologist. Yeah. Sit, let's say literally a sports psychologist to sit down with him. And I don't know, maybe they already do that. I have no idea. Yes. Because mind games are a, a big part of sports and they literally need to sit down with him and show him, here's where you went wrong. Here's where you could have just stepped back and said, this is, this was a stupid penalty. And I know some of the penalties are not always the unnecessary roughness type penalties. Like yesterday, the, the one where Demarius Thomas play was negated it was just a stupid holding penalty um but they got to figure it out they got to do something different to get him in line no i agree 100 percent um yeah and going back at the beginning of the game you kind of referenced it earlier we came out we blocked the punt uh end up scoring and then we scored on our very next drive i'm thinking holy cow you know we scored 14 points in the first quarter this could be a shootout then we follow that up with seven straight punts yeah. What? I'm, Unbelievable. I don't get it. I don't either. When you're on the road and you start the way we did, that is almost given to you that you should have a halftime lead when you start that hot on the road. Seriously, or at least tied. Because if you can go in, in halftime getting the ball back in the third quarter tied on the road, you got to be feeling good about yourself, mm-hmm. let alone having a lead. You feel great about yourselves. And, you know, we both said, man, that could not have been a better start to that football game. And I do not know what happened. I think a couple big things that I saw were, number one, after our first score, after the blocked punt and the the quick uh, Royce Freeman touchdown, the secondary all game was really flat, giving up wide open, quick passing routes. Um plays down the field. I think they hit another tight end down the middle of the field early on, if I remember right. Um, 
that led to an easy score. And then we came back, scored a really nice touchdown. It was a really good play, a good uh, drive, nice creative play calling, I thought. The end around to Sanders was awesome. That was his first career rushing touchdown, mm-hmm. which for me is hard to believe. And um, I'm thinking, okay, defense just has to stand on their heads, get to Flacco, hold them down the secondary. We're going to be fine. And the secondary didn't just didn't do it. I, they still held them to under 300 yards, mostly because I think Baltimore kind of went to the ground game in the fourth quarter. But I I'm really worried about them. I think they were a big part of why we could not stop them. Yeah, I think it's it's almost safe to say we can't call them no fly zone anymore. Um, there's too much flying going on in my opinion right now. (laughs) I mean, Chris Harris Jr. is a stud still. Um, he did have some post game comments that kind of, uh, raised my eyebrows a little bit, but, uh, I'll get to those in a bit. But Bradley Roby, in my opinion, is really struggling as the number two corner. Um, Mm -hmm. he was fine as a three, but now that he's got to be the two and try to replace the keep to who I think has left a lot bigger hole than the Denver Bronco coaches and, um, staff thought they would, that he would. Um, Roby's really struggling. Of course, he had Pac-Man hurt. Tremaine Brock got hurt during the game. So Isaac Yadam had to come in, and uh, he's just not ready. Um, But I don't know. John's got to go get some more depth at corner. I don't know if that's find a veteran that's sitting at home, trade for one. We we need somebody else. We need another go-to guy. We're going to have to, especially with the injuries and the starters don't even look good enough to do it themselves. So, yeah. I agree. Because I am, I, and, and I know that we're, we don't do the preview podcast. That's some of the other guys at Orange Weekly, but uh, I'm really nervous for Monday night. I mean, uh, the way yeah. Kansas City's offense is looking like a well oiled machine. Mahomes is on pace for 69 touchdowns right now. Um, <laughs> honest to God, he is. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm really scared that could get out of hand. And um, yeah. our, defense is get, our defensive backs are going to get tested mm-hmm. just repeatedly. But no, I I agree. I don't know. And and Chris Harris back to his comments. He said after the game, I kind of thought it was a shot at Joe Woods. Maybe even Vance Joseph could be wrong. He pretty much said that the defensive backs aren't doing anything to disguise uh, what they're doing. They're not tricking anybody. He Uh said the offense already knows what they're going to do before they even do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when we got rid of Wade Phillips, we hired Vance Joseph and, and kept or promoted Joe Woods from the secondary's coach to the defensive coordinator. The mantra was that we were not going to miss a beat and that Joe Woods was as good of a defensive coordinator or maybe even better than Wade Phillips. And you just can't make those kind of comments or those, those kind of, um, you know, it's not that it was directly said, but I, I remember players kept saying, oh, we're, we got all the full confidence in, in Joe and, you know, we believe we can be as good of a defense, if not better, with them. And you just – you can't replace certain people in the NFL with, and expect the exact same things to happen. And I think as fans, we were told – you know, we just kind of wanted to believe the, what the front office was telling us and what the coaching staff was telling us, that we were going to be the same team. And I'm not saying we are garbage by any means. We're not. We're still a, we're still a pretty good defense. But we've been so privileged with having – shut down defense the last three or four years that this year is kind of settling back into the norm for the NFL. And so I think it's frustrating to get back into that and, and see us play like that. Well, and it kind of seems to me like this year's version of the Broncos defense is a really strong pass rush, but if the pass rush can't get there, uh-huh. 
then it causes problems. Um, I thought Bradley Chubb played a pretty good game yesterday. Yeah. But I thought Von Miller was non-existent. Yeah, it's hard to hard to explain that. Um, you know, teams are going to prepare for him more than anybody else on our defense. So it's hard to know how much that's on him, how much that's on the other team's scheme, how much that's on the quarterback getting rid of the ball quickly. I thought Flacco played really well. I thought he was really smart with the football. He was really quick, just like Carr. He had the same game plan of just give me the ball and let me get it out of my hands as quick as I can. And guys were wide open because our secondary was five to ten yards off. And even when they were covering them, they were still able to break away and get a yard or two gap in between them and our secondary for for a reception. So, I don't know, man. I'm pretty concerned. Yeah, a few guys on defense I thought had a decent game. Um, Darren Stewart led, led the team in tackles with nine. I thought missed Rook- a big one on Joe at the end of the game. He Sorry did. To you. No, but you're fine. That's I'm- not the. That was not the deciding factor <laughs> in the game by any means. Uh, um, rookie Josie Jewell had eight tackles. I thought he did yeah. pretty well. Um, I, w- I want to give a shout out to Joe Jones. He had two tackles. Uh, he was the one who blocked the punt. Um, yeah. He's a very good special teamer. I thought he played well. And then, of course, Bradley Chubb had two tackles, including a sack. And Shane Ray had a sack. Um, actually forced a fumble yeah, yesterday. So that yeah, was that nice was really to see out of him. But besides that, I don't really give game balls or anything to anybody on defense. Um, no. Um, and on offense, I'm looking at the stats. Uh, nobody really deserves one. I mean, Demarius Thomas had five catches for 63 yards. Sanders had five catches for 38 yards and that 35-yard rushing touchdown. Um, Cortland Sutton had two catches for 37 yards. Devontae Booker, Booker, five for 34. But then it drops clear down to Jake Butt with two catches for eight yards. Um, Rushing-wise, he had Royce Freeman at 13 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Phil Lindsay was doing good while he was playing. He had four carries for 20 yards. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I just he he made that dumb mistake. Um, yeah. Give me your uh, evaluation of Case Keenum yesterday, and really t- um, through the first three weeks. You had asked me last week if I was concerned where with where Case Keenum was at with having three touchdowns and four picks, and I had said no last week because I thought he did a really good job last week in the second half of controlling the game and getting the game plan together and and really leading us to a victory. Um, and he looked pretty darn good in week one, despite the three picks. Um, I'm more concerned now because I know it's the first road game and it's a loss. So everything seems more blown up, but I'm concerned from the standpoint that he looked really timid at times in the pocket and didn't look like he was handling the pressure as well as he did when we were at home. And, I don't know if it was that he was off balance at times or if he just wasn't reading the receivers. He didn't even see some of the guys coming around the edge a couple of times. Like he just had no clue that the pass rush was even there sometimes um, that led to a couple strip fumbles that we were lucky to recover. And um, he threw the one pick late in the game, which was another huge interception, you know, when we were, when we were uh, driving to score and get back in the football game. So I'm I'm concerned. I, I still think, sadly, we are in a much better position with Case Keenan than we've been in the last two years. But he's not a elite quarterback, and he never has been. I think he's a guy that can control the game. That's why we got him here. He's a guy that can control the game. He can get you wins. He's competitive. You know, I like him as a leader for the team, and I'm I'm still 
confident that he can turn things around, but I but I am concerned that if we don't play well as a full team, he's going to go down just with everybody else. No, you put that just as good as I could have in my own words. Um, yeah, he's already you know thrown five picks, and last year he only threw seven. And I I try not to put too much stock in that because new offense, new this, new that, blah blah blah. But it is mm-hmm. three weeks, and he just showed flashes yesterday that really concerned me. Um, yeah. Especially with a couple of good teams we got coming up in Kansas City and then uh, L.A. Rams in two weeks. Um, schedules yeah. really ramps up here. And, yeah, I agree. I I know it's only a three-week sample size, but he's not shown me enough uh, mm. to where he could be a franchise guy. I know it's only three weeks. I know everything's getting blown out of proportion. You know, if we would have won yesterday and we're 3-0, and then we're filling on top of the mountain. And if we turn around and beat a really good Kansas City team on Monday, we'll feel really good. And everything will uh-huh. change, but I mean, this is this is the day after. This is a little over twenty four hours after the game. We're just breaking it down and giving our raw raw thoughts. So, uh, um, well, and like you said, you know, we're we're pretty. Even though we're diehard Bronco fans, I think we're pretty objective in some ways. You know, we try to maybe not always, but we try to see the big picture on things and try to analyze it from a football fan perspective, not just a diehard Broncos fan. And and last year we were three and one. Things were great, and we were trying to be realistic. But when you really look at it, we stunk. And this year, I think we're cautiously being optimistic that we still have pieces that can get us there. But we also know that this team is nowhere near championship caliber. No, yeah, you, you just put that perfectly yeah. because I mean it could be worse. I mean we're two and one. We're we're second in the division right now because you know you got the Chargers one and two, and the Raiders are zero and three. Uh, but the Chiefs are three zero and look really, really good. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of teams struggling. I mean, look at the Patriots; they're one and two. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's only three games, not out of it by any means. I think ten's no. the magic number. If you can get to yep. ten, I think that's the magic number. But it's not going to be easy. And we, I just, I just want to see improvements. I want to see this coaching staff staff take that step, and they just mm-hmm. haven't proven it to me. Well, and, and there's so many games where I do not see in-game adjustments being made. Seven straight punts. I believe we didn't – I think there was nine straight possessions after our two scoring drives that we did not score on. I think the Ravens held us to nine straight scoreless possessions after that. Well, yeah, because it went seven yeah. straight punts and then a the pick and then the four yeah. and out in the red yeah. zone. And – I mean, there's so many. There were so many things in this game we could talk about that we don't have time for in terms of missed opportunities. But what was the play calling when we're down by two scores? It's second and one, and we go run, run, and then a weird, like fade route to the left. I think it was to Hireman or Lacoste. I don't even know who it was to because I was so mad <laughs> watching the game. But I was like, what? I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. That just I, I'm okay with the run at first. I'm okay with that. I would rather see, though, it's second and one. I, if you're going to pass at some point, I'd rather see you pass on second and one or even third and one and not throw that low percentage fade route on fourth and one when you need to score. I just, to me, that made no sense to me at all, that sequence. Yeah, I, I really questioned a lot of things Bill Musgrave did yesterday. I thought our offense looked good early in the game when we were up-tempo. And then he yeah. stops going on t- up tempo and gets us in a huddle, and that yeah. hasn't worked this year. I don't know why they keep no. trying to go back to that. Just keep it up tempo. It's been working. That's when the offense rolls. It gets in rhythm. I just and Cade oh. looks confident in that. 
just don't get it. Case looks really confident in that, don't you think? Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's their best offense has been up tempo. I just don't know why they keep going out of it. And you know what really pissed me off, Jeff, was late mm-hmm. in the game. I think it was fourth and one, and then made us go back to fourth and six or fourth and nine or something. Yeah. I don't know. The twelve men on the huddle. Oh yeah. How, oh yeah. How does that happen? I don't know. <sighs> I, again, coaching, man. It, this is all about coaching. Those things. I know the New England Patriots are one and two. I don't give a crap. That, the New England Patriots don't allow those things to happen. And if they do, guess what? You're probably not playing the rest of the game. Or you're not even playing on the team the rest of the season. (laughs) So I'm just, there's a difference in in coaching across the league. And you can tell we don't have that it factor within our coaching group. We just don't. Well, And they don't discipline the guys. Our team is undisciplined. No. I mean, look what Isaac Yottam did yesterday. Even though it was a little cheap to throw that flag, but he shouldn't. He shouldn't have touched the guy. Don't push him. No, he shouldn't. Don't put your hands he on him. Have. No, <laughs> no, and and that's why you know we've talked about this. How everyone has said, "Oh, we love Vance because he's a player's coach. He really connects with us and likes us." I'm sorry, but that's not what a coach needs to be. A coach does not need to be your best friend, and I think we're seeing that because there is no discipline. There is no incentive not to do stupid things because Joseph, even if he says, oh, you know, we're going to get on the guys, we don't know what he does as discipline. And even if he does something, he probably says, you know, a day later, it's all right, you know, we're good. We'll, we'll figure it out like he always does. And that just doesn't work in the NFL. you got to be harder on people than that. Yep. and uh, you got to expect more. I don't know, and I keep going back saying this, is we're only three games in, but uh, I already feel like – if the Broncos don't make the playoffs, Vance is gone. Oh, yeah. I I don't see why he should stay, honestly. But you know what sucks about that is it'd be we're looking for a head coach yet again. I mean, I know. It's, I know. it's just and like every two or three years. That, but it is worth thinking about because you and I both agree that in one season and three games so far this season, he's done nothing – nothing to prove that he can lead this team to sustained competitive success no and uh i will admit this i mean i remember my list of five on twitter a couple years ago when after gary kubiak uh, retired um i had vance joseph as my number two coach that i wanted uh my number one coach was kyle shanahan and i still to this day wish they would have chose kyle shanahan um, yeah. I think that was one big mistake they made after Super Bowl 50. I think another one was not retaining Wade Phillips when Vance was hired. And then I think the other one was letting Aqib Tlaib go for just because they didn't want to pay him $10 million. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, th- those three things are why we're in the position that we're in. We're a mediocre team with some hope because we still have athletes on our team, but a lot of questions because of – like you said, number one, the coach, number two, the defensive coordinator, and number three, our secondary is missing a, a really important piece. That's exactly why we're where we're at. So, yep. And and honestly, who does that fall on then? John Elway. It does. It does. And John, you know, as big as Elway fans that you and I are, and, oh, yeah. and old diehard fans like your dad, I mean, heck, my dog's named after John Elway, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, but he's... He's got to start taking some of the blame because yeah. 
especially if the, if, if the Broncos don't make the playoffs this year or, or end up with a five and eleven or six and ten season. Uh, it's just not, that's inexcusable. Yeah, I, I agree, and you know, I'm definitely one of those people that wants to believe John Elway is the greatest thing next to sliced bread, and he's <laughs> the god of all football gods. You know, and I because of what he did for Denver. I mean, he made the Denver Broncos an incredibly relevant team, probably forever, honestly, um, because they were not very good before John Elway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of like everyone else, whatever John so Elway does or says, everyone's going to be okay with. And at some point that mentality is going to have to change as much as we don't want it to, because if you really think about it, we got a coach who had incredibly, limited i don't even want to call it success as a defensive coordinator his defense sucked fourth. ass in miami yeah exactly they were not good i think they were ranked like 22nd in the league or something the year he was a defensive coordinator there in terms of total defense and i know i didn't say the whole story but if you look at most of their stats that year they weren't very good like you just said uh not being able to retain wade phillips not being able to convince Kyle shannon to come here because quite frankly i don't think it was as much of us not pursuing him as it was Kyle Shanahan saying, I want to go back home to San Francisco and be a part of an organization that has a lot more promise than the Denver Broncos have right now. I really don't think he wanted to any part of being under John Elway again. And, and, you know, like his dad probably had to put up with, you know, some stuff with John Elway. I'm sure I, I think, I think Mike Shanahan and John Elway have a good relationship, but I quite frankly, I'm not sure that Kyle Shanahan just said, I don't want any part of the Denver Broncos, honestly. Well, honestly, um, I kind of hope it was rather that case than us just choosing Vance over him if he wanted to come because that's just mind-blowing well, yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but then then third, I think the, the Tlaib thing is almost the most interesting to me because I think it says a lot not only about Tlaib but our quarterback situation because the reason we cut Aqib Tlaib was because we wanted enough money to go sign a big-time quarterback. And for them to say that Case Keenum was the guy we always wanted, come on. I, I don't buy They wanted Cousins. They figured out they were out of the market for Cousins, couldn't afford him. Exactly. Kirk didn't want to come, whatever it was. Keenum was option exactly. two. Exactly. And and who's that on Elway? Mm-hmm. So I know we're being really negative right now. We're yeah. one. We're a winning football team right yes, now. Yes, But, again, nothing looks – that much different from last season right now, to be quite honest. And these are legitimate things that as Bronco fans, I think we all need to be realistic about and and start questioning. Well, and like I said earlier, if we win a week from tonight on Monday night against a really good Kansas City team against a rival who's had really good success against us the last few years, then the whole tide changes. But like I told Kev Dan on – the good, the bad, and the ugly. A few weeks ago, on one of our Wednesday night editions, we uh, the key after week six would be at least four and two. That means yes. we have to beat either the Chiefs this upcoming week in week four, or beat the Rams in week six, and not let yeah. the Jets upset us in week five. Easier yeah. said than done because the Rams and the Chiefs look like the two best teams in football, and then the well, Jets. Man. It's a road game on the East Coast, and look how that just went for us yesterday. Vance Joseph has one win. One road win. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm pretty sure he has one road win and no East Coast 
road wins. I think we're 0-5 on the East Coast now under Vance and 1-8, and eight, I want to say, on the road under him. Well, yeah, his road win was at Indianapolis last uh, last year on a right. Thursday night. So, right. Yeah. So it's it's concerning. Um, but like you said, really quick, I want to make one comment about the Chiefs sure. game. I don't want to preview that or talk about that much at all. But I, I, I do want to agree that if we can win that game, that's going to be huge and, and can, can turn some things. And obviously we're going to want to see the team put a lot of stuff together, you know, to give us confidence that the rest of the season can go well. But I'm going to say that next week is a must win. I think when you look at your whole schedule, people say, oh, it's early in the season, you know, you can lose a game. Well, late in the season versus the early in the season, it really doesn't matter. You've got to win your home division games. That's an emphasis that Peyton always had when he was in Denver. I mean, I know he beat a lot of teams. It wasn't just a division, but he always focused on winning division games, especially at home. And that's something that I know we've talked about even on previous podcasts about the, the fact that the Broncos need to have that mentality going forward. But if we don't beat the Chiefs at home, man, I'm sorry, but we're not winning the division. No, 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 I I 100% agree. And as much as I rep John Fox, the gum chewer who loses, lost all the challenges in the history of challenges, that's one thing he dominated AFC West. He dominated that division. Even with Tim Tebow, he won the AFC West. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and I just feel like this coaching staff, and I'm sure they put emphasis on it, but they just haven't proved to me that they can win a game, let alone a division game. No, no, it's, it's, in my opinion, that game could make or break my opinions of Vance Joseph because it's a big game. You know, I'm already low on him, but it's a big yeah, game. Yeah. It's it's to me a must win. It really is to me. And he, if we can put everything together and prove that we can beat a really good football team at home in our home environment, I'm going to be a little more confident, sure. I'll be honest. It's, and I know you don't want to judge everything on one game, but I think it's that important. It's home. It's Monday night. The Denver crowd's going to be pumped up like – I mean, they always are, but they're going to be extra riled oh, yeah. up because it's the only primetime home game we got. It's a yeah. chance for the nation to watch our team, the only time yeah. this year really. Big, yeah. big game. Yeah. I mean, it's week four, yeah. and it's already just huge, just huge. I love it. I so, love it. But, uh, so hopefully next week when we do this podcast, we're in a lot better spirits because this <laughs> has been a depressing one. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to bring the whole no, vibe I, down. I, I did it to our listeners. I, I started <laughs> it and and uh, well, took we it down. Well, we just expect a lot as we Bronco do. fans. We expect we a lot out of the team, and we know how much talent is there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's that's what's so frustrating. But uh, I'm still optimistic. I think you know you can you can rise to the challenge. I, one thing I'm really concerned about is the fact that we have not beaten a team with a winning record yet under Vance Joseph. Um, so that's that's not great, but uh, <laughs> I think next week why not why not it be the the first time we do that, and uh, it'd be huge. It'd be it'd be awesome to beat the Chiefs and their their fans are like you know on cloud nine. They think they've already won the Super Bowl because they don't even know what winning a playoff game is like. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, if we could humble them a little bit, that'd be sweet. Yeah, this Mahomes hype train, even though he's been magnificent, is getting a little old oh, fast. Yeah. And it will already be his second road trip to Denver because he made a start week 17 last year. So yes, he did. So, uh, But, no, they got a lot of weapons. We're going to have to be focused. We're going to have to really uh, have a good game plan and show a lot of different things seven days from now than we did yesterday. But 
hey, the NFL's a crazy league. I mean, look at all the upsets that happened uh, over the weekend. Nobody gave Buffalo a chance at Minnesota. So No, no. Oh, I'm not, by any means, I'm not writing a song. No, I, I'm not either. Uh, but You know, th- on the calendar, in, honestly, this was a game against Baltimore that I had circled as we're probably not winning that football yeah. game. Yeah. You know, we don't play well there. It's a road game. It, it was our first road game of the year. Keenum's first time being on the road as a Bronco. It, it's tough. Like, mm-hmm. th- There's a lot of tough factors into it. I just think we're more disappointed because there were multiple opportunities to win the game yesterday. And we didn't do it. And so just you can't have you can't have double digit penalties. Can't do it. No, 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 can't do it. So hopefully we put a game good game plan together this week and get the guys back ready to go for a big Monday night game. Yep. Hopefully next week when we uh, do the podcast on uh, Tuesday, um, hopefully yep. we're talking to win. So couldn't agree more, Tanner. As always, Jeff, go Broncos. Go Broncos. Great talking to you. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Tanner Lee. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore T underscore Lee. And uh, also follow Orange Weekly on Twitter at Orange Weekly. Follow them on Instagram. Like the Facebook page. We uh, bring tons of great shows, podcasts, Broncos news to you every week. Starts off on our weekly routine on Tuesday nights with a Facebook Live show at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. That's Beer, Broncos, and No BS. Uh, we really like fan interaction on that show, so get your comments in it into KevDan. It really helps make the show um, that much more enjoyable. So get your comments in tomorrow night, what you liked and didn't like, what was frustrating to you about yesterday's loss to the Ravens. Then you can catch Kev Dan and myself on Wednesday nights at the same time, 7 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern, on The Good, The Bad, and Ugly. It's on a Get Vocal and on Facebook, but we ask you to join us on Get Vocal. It's kind of like a radio call-in show, except we're able to see your face. You're able to see us, but uh, please interact with us on that show. And then uh, we got the uh, pregame podcast that will be coming out later this week. Uh, Matt and Jared do a really good job with that. So look for that. They'll get you all pumped up with the X's and O's and what to look forward to on next Monday night's rivalry game with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, with that said, I'll leave you with uh, some music from the Mad Fanatic. And as always, go Broncos.